We are so grateful that you are joining us today. We, as a community, pray that the Lord will refresh you as you hear today's message. If you would like to support and further the work here in the city, please visit us at www.oasischurchchicago.com or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Now, here's today's message. Church. How you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm not up here super often. Uh, my name is Andrew Hodel. I'm on the leadership team here at Oasis. Um, have the honor to bring the word to you guys today, and we're continuing in our series called Established. Raise your hand if you've been here for every installment of Established so far. Yeah, it's been great, hasn't it, right? Amazing. Let's hear it. Has it been good? You guys have been? All right, good, good. That's what I thought. Uh, hopefully, you guys have been as blessed as I have as we've gone through this series, diving into the book of Colossians um, and really understanding what it is we believe about the gospel, about God's plan for humanity and what he has given us in being rooted and established in that so that we know how to live, so that we know how to live differently according to God's calling for each and every one of us as believers, as Christians, as his people. If you weren't here for the series, I'm just going to do a quick recap before we dive in uh, to today's message. The first time that Pastor JP spoke, we were talking about the right position, right? If we're going to understand what it means to be established, if we're going to understand what it means to live the life that God has for us, we have to be in the right position, meaning our orientation is set to understand what God has for us. And then the second series was called Not For Sale, right? Um, a part of being established is understanding what, what Christ did, what Jesus did on the cross through the gospel, which establishes our belief. And that is he is supreme above all, right? We talked about Christ's supremacy and the fact that it's not for sale. See, what Christ did on the cross is he paid one price, a price once and for all that could never be taken away, that could never be replaced. There's no greater thing that's going to come after it. He did it. It is finished. It is complete. And we was called come alive, right? So it's this idea that now that Christ has died for us, now that he's paid the price on the cross, now that we are established in this and we see this, we are dead to the past. Christ literally died. He set the example for us. He died and rose again. And like him, we as Christians, as believers, when you come into the faith, when you accept what Christ has done for you, you are dead to your past and you are made new. You are made alive through the gospel. You're made alive through the work that Jesus desires for you in your life. And we are living filled with that life so we can come alive every day that we live according to what he has called us to. Amen? Amen. Today's message is called That New Fit. Let me explain that a little bit. You might be like, well, where'd you get that from, right? I'm talking about like fresh clothes, new car smell clean house, right? It's all these things, that new fit. These things that when you get them for the first time, you guys know what I'm talking about. You're just like, mmm, so good, right? But what's funny about those things is that it doesn't always last. See, we relish that time when it's like that new fit, that first time, whether it's one of those things I described or something else. When you get that new thing, it's so good for all of like one day, Am I right? Because then you take your shirt out, you go to the Italian restaurant, and you spill marinara sauce on it. You take your car out, you get it washed the first time, and the guys that are using the rag get like one little tiny scratch on the side. You can only see it in a certain sunlight, right? It, car people know what I'm talking about. That's how I was with my car. 
never buying a new car again. Um, but these things that we, that we get so excited about, right, these new fit things, these things that are, that are so cool to us in the moment quickly fade away, and it's going to be something else, right? Uh, as I was preparing this message, I thought of this because it's so culturally relevant at the time. Hopefully, you guys have heard of this person and the thing I'm about to describe. How many of you in the room have heard of Marie Kondo? Oh, yeah, I've got some whoops. All right, so yeah, so you guys know. For those of you who don't know, Marie Kondo, she's like this... Um, self-help guru, maybe, I would describe her as. She's got this, this concept called, like, tidying up. There's this show on Netflix. Basically, what she does, long story short, she tells you to get out all of your stuff, right? And your stuff could be, like, everything in your house. But the one that is an uh, easy example for this is your clothes. So you take out all your clothes from, like, your closet, your drawers. You lay them all out, and you look among all your stuff, and you decide what gives you joy. And if it doesn't spark joy, or if, like, this shirt and those pants don't spark joy or give you joy, you just throw it out. You're like, nah, don't need that. Why would I wear that? Why do I keep that? And then she's like, and when you do that and you have all your new clothes that give you joy, you will be so happy and so well and your house will be whole. Okay, so I've, let me admit, I've done this, okay? And you do get a little bit of that. I'm not gonna lie, okay? There, there, it's not like an empty promise, okay? So when you clean out your closet, you clean out your bookshelf, you get away of the clutter, you come into your house and you're like, oh, this is a place of peace. This place is so nice, right? I love it. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that, guys. I'm not up here to bash her methods or anything. I know a lot of people have gotten a lot of positive results from doing this. I think it's good to have a clean house. I'm all about that. But once again, the thing with this and the thing how it relates to that new fit is that this is cool, like, for 2018 and 2019. Marie Kondo, she's really popular right now. She'll be popular for a little bit longer. But in 2020 and 2021, it's going to be something else, right? When we just go through this cycle, our culture is constantly looking for new ways, for new things, for new pathways, for new truths, for new love, like we sang about in that song. The reality is there's no love that's greater than the love of Jesus. There's no joy that's more complete there's no joy that's greater than the joy that God gives us through his Holy Spirit. And that's what we're talking about in this series. And that's what I want to talk about today when I say that new fit. It's that new fit. It's not any of these other fits, none of these other things that are hopefully going to give us joy or hopefully going to spark something in us that's new and clean. So today I have a lot of scripture. Is that okay? We got a big chunk here, but we're going to dive into it and get through it before we close out. So our main passage today is Colossians 3, 1 through 17. I'm going to read it all the way through, and then I'm going to go back to it uh, as I go throughout today's message. But if you have your Bibles, you can open up alongside. If you don't, fear not. We have the big Bible, as always, on the screens. Here we go. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So once again, I'm going to stop here real quick. Once again, what Paul is doing here, Paul, uh, for those of you who don't know, is who wrote this book. I'm going to talk about Paul. So when I talk about Paul, he's the guy that wrote this book. He's writing it to the church in Colossae. Um, what he's doing here is, is once again, like, rooting the church in the same thing we've been talking about all along, established, right? He's saying, you have been raised with Christ. This is something that's happened. Seek the things above. Christ is above, seated at the right hand of God. You have died, right? The come alive. You've died to your past. 
it's done, right? We're moving on, church. Come with me here. We're moving on. I've got more to tell you. He's saying that once again here. Okay, so now here we go. Here we're moving on. This is when it gets good. This part's a little hard, though. Not going to lie. Okay, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. That one stings a little sometimes. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Those aren't light words. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And this is our truth for us today. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of God of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Father, we praise you today for who you are. We thank you that we are established in the truth of the gospel, God. We are established not through anything we've done, God, but through what Christ has done for us and for the church. I pray, Lord, today that as we dive into this scripture, God, your word would just come alive to us, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you'd give us fresh revelation, God, and that we would leave this place changed believing and understanding who you are and the life for us that you desire. We praise you and all God's people said, amen, amen. So what Paul is talking about in this passage, right, it's kind of divided up into three sections. The first part there was, once again, establishing us in what Christ has done. I'll touch on that in just a second. The second part then, and the third part, if we divide it up in the three sections that I kind of noted at is, the second part is, there's something we got to get rid of, right? It's like the cleaning out, okay? Going back to the Marie Kondo thing. There's good and bad. You're cleaning out this, and you're keeping this. So there's something here that that God is clearly calling for us to remove from our lives, and he lists it out, very explicit, very obvious what those things are. And then lastly, because we are God's chosen ones, he calls us to live differently, and he tells us then how to live. He's not just telling us what to walk away from, right? It's not just about the laws and the rules. It's about then the promises that he has for us and the way that he wants us to live so that we experience life and life abundantly. So really, I have like two themes today, okay? These are themes. I'm going to have points. Don't worry, I got points coming. But the themes today, the first is this. Our behaviors should match our identity. I'm going to get back to that, okay? Our behaviors should match our identity and who our identity is in. But the second point is this. There's this concept of the already, but not yet. Let me explain that a little bit. In verses uh, one through four, it says this. If then you 
have been raised in Christ, keyword being have been raised in Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are earth. For, on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Then when Christ is, is your life appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So we understand this. Christ has done something for us, right? This is what we've covered so far. He has died on the cross. He has taken the sins of the world and given us atonement for those sins through the blood on the cross. And we are saved in that. Like, that is what we are establishing. It's, it's nothing we did. Like, Paul is just drilling this home over and over and over. He's like, if you need to understand one thing, church, it's Christ and Christ alone. That's it. He paid it all. There's literally nothing else we have to do to have life for eternity with him. And we understand that because it says Christ then is seated at the right hand of God. We have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ is there on behalf of us now, interceding for us. And he's saying, look, all these people that I've saved, they're with me. It's sealed. It's done. It's finished. Galatians 2.20 says this another way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. See, when we're crucified with Christ, when we're saved through his blood and we're brought to life in him, God is not seeing our sinful self any longer. He's not seeing our past and our old and, and, the, and the nature that we were born into. He's now seeing Christ, and he's seeing us through Christ. Christ is our intercessor. He's our intermediary. He's there now standing in the gap for you, if you will, to save us for eternity. And he's waiting at the right hand of God in the exalted place as king and savior for us to come home. So it's this concept, right? It's this concept of the already but the not yet, right? We're in this status now, if you will, where we are still on earth, right? And we're still in a place, in a world, in a time, in a space that is hard. There is still sin in the world. There is still sickness in the world. There is still pain in the world. There is still suffering. There's wars. There's anger. There's problems, right? We live in a very broken world. And so the not yet reality is that Christ has not yet returned to bring his new creation. Scripture talks about this. I'm not going to dive into much to it today. But in the end, what we believe as a church is that Christ is coming back. He's coming back to restore his creation. God is going to restore his creation based on the way he originally created it, which was perfect. And he's coming to do that. And that is the future hope that we have as the church, as his people for eternity. But yet, while we wait, we're still here. The already, but not yet. Recently, I was listening to a, a, a podcast. Holly and I were listening to a podcast, and it was, it was kind of relevant for this because I really had heard this term, but I never knew anything about it. How many of you heard, have heard of the Witness Protection Program? All right, a few. Yeah, oh, well, actually a lot. Cool. So I had always heard about it, and I kind of had like ideas on what I thought it was. But this podcast, they were interviewing the guy that actually started the program, like with the, the U.S. government. Um, I believe he was a part of like a branch of the FBI. And basically, the reason they started this program is because of people who had ties to like the Italian mob <laughs> and would, would have to, there's this law, I didn't know about this. So there's a law where if you have information, like if you're a witness and you have information that's incriminating uh, in, a, in like a criminal case, you cannot refuse to witness because of fear. Like, 
if, if they know that you know the truth and you, and you tell the truth, you have to go to the stand. And you can't do it because, because of saying, well, they're going to kill me if I do. Before the witness protection program came into place, people had to go witness, and then there was fear of death. Like, there was fear literally where if you were part of the mob and you told against your family or you told against the mob, like, they would likely kill you, and they might kill your family too, and it's crazy. So they created this program, right, to protect these people. And, and really what the program did was these people had to say, they had to come forward to enter the program. They had to say, I'm going to give up this information about this criminal who's in court, and then I'm going to just disappear. I'm going to... Along with that information, I'm going to give up everything in my past life. And I'm going to live a new life, a complete new life. And they would go through all this. They'd have to get rid of, they'd get a new social security number. They'd get all new legal documents. They'd have a new address. They'd change their last name. They'd get new job. Like every, literally everything from your, I can't even comprehend what this would be like. But people do this and they still do it today. And they're literally willing to leave behind everything for life. They're seeking life. They want to hold on to the life that they have. It's like their most, most precious thing. And in the fear of everything that would come, whether it be murder or some other like horrible thing that was going to happen to them from the mob, they, they're willing to let that go because they seek life. And as I was thinking about this passage and what, and what Paul is instructing the church in Colossae and this idea of like how established we need to be and how much we need to be on fire to seek after the things of Jesus, I had to ask myself, do I desire life that much? Like, do I truly desire what the scriptures tell me about Jesus? Do I truly desire the better life that he calls us to and the life for eternity? Or is there still a small part of me that wants to go back to the old life? And when I realize that, it's like, when I look and I see how bad that life was. I have to remind myself, like, why would I ever want to go back to that? Like these people knowing where they came from, a life of a, of a criminal background in, the, in, a, in a very hard life, they, don't, they want nothing to do with that. The reality is there might be some aspect of them, though, later down the road that wants to go back to it. And it's the same reality for us as believers. At the moment of salvation, we say, Jesus, I praise you for what you've done. I, I invite you in. I make you Lord of my life. And we're so excited and we're living in joy, and we're living this new life. And then a year, three years, five years, ten years down the road, the enemy starts to creep back into our minds. And the enemy says, oh, but there was that little piece of your old life that was pretty fun, right? There's that little piece of your old life that gave you a spark of joy. Why don't you try it again? And that's what Paul is speaking to us here about. 2 Corinthians 5.17 gives us this assurance. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we pick up in verse 5, right? Paul says, I'm going to read this very quickly. Put to death, therefore, speaking of the past. Paul knows this. He knows we're going to be tempted by this. And so he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked, and he continues, do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices, but you've been made new. Be renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator. We're all equal. Christ is all and in all. Decisions to follow these things demonstrates our desire and commitment to live for Jesus and the life that awaits us. It's better than the old. 
it's better than the sinful life, right? Paul says, okay, put all this aside, and then you're like, okay, like I got that. But if we just left it there, it's like a bunch of rules, right? It's just a bunch of really, it's really hard just to put all that aside and then have nothing to gain for it. The people in this program, they, they leave all that aside because they're gaining protection, because they're gaining life. And so Paul, thank God, and thank Jesus, doesn't just leave us there. He continues. And so today I have three points. Three points I want us to understand when we, when we decide to move away from the old and put on that new fit. And the first today is this. You're protected from your past. Verse 3, or uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says this again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on the things that are earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. We are protected from our past. The key theme here is Christ's kingdom rule. See, what it means when we say and when we read Christ is seated at the right hand of God, he's on the throne. The right hand of the king is like the best place you can be, the highest seat of honor. Whoever sits at the right hand of God, whatever they say on behalf of the people goes. And so when Christ sits at the right hand of God, literally he is saying to us, these are my people. This is who I died for. This is who I love This is who I am choosing to save, not because of anything they've done, but because of who I am and because of my love for them. We are protected because Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. I've got three scriptures that just, they say say this point better than I ever could. So I'm going to read through these now. They should be on the screen. And then we'll keep moving on. Ephesians 1, 15 through 22 says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Christ is the ruler of all. He's the authority over all. He's defeated everything in the past that is a threat to us, that is a threat to us having life. He's defeated the rulers and the authorities, the enemy, the demons, all of it gone in the past. We are protected now when Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22 says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, us, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God 
for a good conscience. That's us saying, I'm with you, Jesus. I know what you've done for me. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, once again, the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. And lastly, Romans 8, 31 through 34 says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Isn't that so good? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Once again, that's us. Who shall bring any charge? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Praise God. I could put my name in that, like I challenge you to put your name in that last passage alone. When it says, who shall bring any charge against God? Is it God who justifies? Who is to condemn? It should be us to condemn, right? But in the verses in Colossians we just read, God has wrath that he's ready to pour out for the sins of man. If it was us in the place to condemn, we'd be in big trouble. But praise God that Jesus knew that and he loves us so much. He couldn't, res- he couldn't stand to see us face the wrath of our sin and he saved us. And it's through him alone. That's what this whole series is about. It's through Christ alone that we are established in this truth. So in the theme of already but not yet, right? We're established in what Christ has done. He's protected us from our past. But if we're protected from our past, we are also, my second point, secured in our future. The not yet. We have an eternal promise that Christ has given us, being seated at the right hand of God, to bring us home for eternity, to pull us into the new creation that he has for us upon his return and to spend eternal life with God, our Father, forever. Romans 3.25 says this, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Christ is our sacrifice of atonement. In Hebrews 2.17, it says, For this reason, he had to be made like them, Christ being made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. The role of the high priest in the Old Testament was to stand in the gap for the people. There was one, only one person who could stand in the gap for the wickedness and the sins of the people. It was the high priest. And they had to offer sacrifices over and over and over. So much blood had to be shed through animal sacrifice. And what Christ did is he did it once and for all. Christ, being God himself, shed his own blood. That's what atonement is. He shed his own blood once and for all so that we could have life, so that we could have hope for eternity so that we could have eternal life and life abundantly, a life that's, that's so much greater than anything we can have in the short term here on earth. It's so much greater than any joy we can find from a material thing or from gain and earthly pleasure. It's eternal life. It's an inward change that is literally indescribable because of God's goodness. And lastly, 1 Peter 1, 3-5 says this, 
So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes all we can do is praise, right? When we realize this. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, our future, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Everything else falls away. Everything else is cool today, dumb tomorrow. (laughs) It's the best word I could think of there. But what we have here, these promises of God through Jesus Christ is an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And with this power that we are shielded from, we remain. Because it's not the end, right? We're all alive here in this room today, and thus we are called to something. And it's my third point today, that you are a witness of God. You are a witness to the world for what Christ has done for you. If you profess and proclaim Jesus as Lord, you're a witness, and you're called to look differently. You will look differently when the Spirit of God indwells inside of you, and that is the key theme of what Paul is trying to drive here. It's not, don't just take all of this knowledge. Knowledge is great and wisdom is great. And the Bible says, seek knowledge, seek wisdom, because that's what builds us up. It's what gives us this foundation that we talk about with being established. But when you realize the impact of this, when you realize truly what Christ has done for you, you will be different and you are a witness. He calls us to go out and make disciples of all the world, right? The Great Commission. But what does he do? What? The few verses before that, that sometimes we forget, is he says, I have been given all power and authority. And when Christ has been given all power and authority from God above, he has also given that through his spirit to each and every one of us in this room so we can live lives of boldness, so we can go out in confidence, being a witness to what Jesus has done for us, living the life that he has has built for us and established for us and doing it with joy and with love and with goodness and with kindness. That's what Paul is talking about here. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Why would we do any of the things he listed previously? Why would we want any of that when he has this for us? Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love. This is what it's all about. This is what this song is about that we sang this morning and that we're going to continue with. It's about the love of Jesus, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Not Marie Kondo harmony, perfect harmony. It's better than all. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Get rid of the past. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as we worship together with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, 
in word or deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It is through Jesus alone that we are established. There is no other greater reason. There is no other thing in this earth that can give us the hope that Jesus gives us. And it is because of what he has done in our lives. It is because of that that we can be a witness to his goodness. That we can live a life of love. That we can love each other and care for each other and teach each other and pour out kindness and mercy and humility. This is what he has called us to do. Put on love, which binds together in perfect harmony. This is the hope for the church. This is the word for us today that Christ has given to us. Being established in Jesus comes with the greatest gift we could ever have. A new fit. A new identity. A once-in-a-lifetime, nothing else is going to satisfy chance to completely lay down our old lives and just say, I'm done with it. I'm moving on. That life has nothing for me. That life is full of lies and deceit from the enemy. It's full of sickness and hurt and pain. Stop going back to it. He's called us to something greater. He's called us to more. So we're going to stand together and we're going to sing this song. His love is greater. His love is more. His love is above all we could ever ask or imagine. Let's worship together today in Jesus' name.